morning, church. Talk to you today about the Great Commission, which comes just after like the Easter story where Jesus died and came back to life and was like, just kidding, be right back. And here he is. Uh, So the Great Commission flows from the victory of the resurrection. So the risen Christ goes with us into the world. um, And he told his disciples, there we go, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Matthew 28, 19 to 20 is basically what I want to focus on today. And so right before Jesus left to go back to heaven, he told his disciples this great special mission that he had for them. And so this mission had three parts to it that we're going to explore. So the first part was to go and make disciples. So a disciple, a follower of Jesus, go out and make disciples. And so the second part, remember when Jesus was leaving, he put this responsibility on his disciples to then go make disciples, to then go, and it just keeps going. The second part of it is to baptise. And so just simply a way to show that I am now a follower of Christ. The third thing was to teach the people to obey God's commands. And the Bible is full of God's commands on how to live a life to honour God, particularly just to honour God. So that means this commission, this mission is for you and for me. The commission is connected to the resurrection, to discipleship, spiritual formation and the understanding of God's kingdom. Now, when I was a kid or a teenager, even now as an adult, I've been asked this one question, and I'm sure you've been asked it too. What do you want to be when you grow up? So I want to share a little bit about me. When I was three to about 13, I felt and still sometimes feel called to be a princess. I wanted to be a princess. That was my whole desire in the world. I want to be a princess. Because I thought it was fun to dress up and to wear the pretty dresses and do all the things. Then I, whoa, there we go. Then I wanted to be a tradie, which I was for a short amount of time. My parents have their own business. So I like to be a little tradie lady on the side when I can. Um, And if you ask my brother, he says, you're not a real trade because you're not doing a trade. But I think I was a tradie. Um, But then I was sitting in this PA and I was in year nine And I really felt called to be a pastor or be a chaplain. And so that's now what I do. Like, that's where I felt called to be. And so I know people ask you all the time or have asked you all the time, what do you want to be? And I know I have asked people, what do you want to be? And some of my favourite answers have been, I want to be a vet or a teacher or I want to be a tradie. I want to be a counsellor or I want to be a girls' parade leader or a pastor, whatever it is. But I think while that question of what do you want to be when you grow up or what do you want to be is important, I think it's more important to ask who does Jesus want you to be? Not necessarily what are you going to do with your life, but who does Jesus want us to be? And so he tells us exactly who we should be and what we should do In that verse that I read to you before, he gave all of his followers, so each and every one of us, this command that we call the Great Commission. So therefore, go and make disciples. 
After Jesus died and rose again, he spent 40 days with his disciples, as I'm sure some of you know, teaching them how that they could then go and make disciples, which I think is really cool. This is Michaela. This is my best friend. We have been friends for 20 years this year. So we went to kindergarten together, we went to grade one, and then I moved schools, I came to North Pine. But we've, I promise I have permission to share that bottom photo. I asked her, I said, is that okay if I put that for people that don't know you? She goes, I suppose. But this is my best friend. We talk to each other all the time. She used to live like two minutes down the road from me as we were growing up. And so our parents became friends, my dad and her dad are best friends now, which I think is really funny and we take ownership for that for sure. Um, but I think it's crazy. She now lives in Warwick, so about two and a half hours from here, and we've never been closer, which is bizarre. I used to live down the road. We were close, but now we talk to each other every day about every little thing. I used to call my mum about every little inconvenience. I now call her, the poor girl, and tell her all these things. But I was talking, she rung me a few weeks ago and I was on my way to a girls' parade camp. She goes, I have a Jesus question. I said, okay. Let's, she goes, I knew that you were the person to ask this Jesus question to. It wasn't a big question. It was something about what's the difference between this church and that church because she drove past one. Um, and I was like, okay. So I answered it and then I said, I've got to go. She goes, I know you're busy, but like I want to talk to you more about it later. So called her later and she said, do you know what I think is funny? So she goes to a Catholic church. She's Catholic. Um, and she said, you've never actually spoken to me about Jesus. I said, sure I have. We've been friends for like 20 years. I've, I've told you about Jesus. She goes, no, no, you tell me about Jesus when I ask you about Jesus, but you don't actually tell me about him all that much. I said, what do you mean? Can you tell me? I was like, wow, I am the worst Christian ever. What do you mean I have not told this person about Jesus? She goes, no, I don't mean it in a bad way. She goes, I can tell that you go to church every week where you can you do all these things. I know what you believe. I know that you're a Christian, not because you've told me about it, but because I know that's how you live. That's the life that you live. And I was just like, whoa, okay, cool. She goes, but I love that. I love that you're not Bible bashing me or I know I can come to you if I have a question about God or about what you believe and you're going to answer it. I said, I'm sorry I haven't told you about Jesus. She goes, I don't need you to tell me about him because you've shown me how you love me, how you supported me. And she was like, the fact that you let me go on my little tangent, find who I want to be, what I want to believe. You still loved me and supported me when I said, hey, I want to be a Buddhist and like all these things. She goes, that is how I know that you're a Christian and what you believe. And that's why I wanted me throughout my life. And I thought that was incredible. That right there is like, I think it's important to talk to people about Jesus, but particularly showing people actions speak louder than words. My mum tells me that all the time. So I hope it's clear this great commission, this authority that is given to us from Jesus is to go and make disciples. And so I have a quote for you and I think it's pretty powerful. It says, it's by a guy called Seth Whitker. He says, church should be considered a movement, not a monument. We are not a building or a structure. We are not a static thing. We are a movement going with society, the flow of life. And so it is our job in this dynamic movement where people are growing in Jesus to help others to know and to grow and to go for Jesus. 
And I think that is the joy that we have in making disciples. You know, factories make shoes, schools make future leaders and all these things. But a church, some schools, I think North Pine does this well, but particularly a church is the only place to make disciples. Like that is where it starts. So this assignment given by Jesus to make disciples, how do you do that? Okay, I need to make disciples, but exactly how should I do that? And so I want to add sometimes in some Bible versions, it's translated as teach. So making disciples is to teach. And as someone who studied teaching, I think teaching is super important. However, I think there, it's not totally like the best word for it. Why should we just teach as if we're going to communicate truth where making disciples means more than that. To teach, yes, but to also model, to pray, to love, and to keep a person accountable. So in this command of make disciples, there are three things we need to do. Number one, in order to make disciples, we need to go. And Pastor Sarah said it before, go, go, go. Very simply, go. Do not stay here. And Jesus said it, I'll take you back like 2,000 years ago. Jesus meeting his disciples They must have been in awe, I would have been in awe, absolute awe that Jesus is right there in front of me. And I want to learn so much, I want to ask all these questions. How do I do this? How do I do that? Why this? Why that? And Jesus said to his disciples, don't stay here, don't huddle here, go. You are on a mission, you are sent and you are to go. So the church of Jesus doesn't just gather on a Saturday But the church of Jesus goes, goes and finds people, finds the people that have all these questions that don't know where to start. They go, they listen to what Jesus said. They don't huddle here. Because if we huddle here, it gives me the sense and it brings me to where Jesus said, his people are like the salt of the earth. You know, salt is only useful when it is spread out. And so I love salt on my food. I also love lasagna. I'm a big lasagna person. And so I think I was about 12 at the time. I'm sitting at the table. My mum is across from me and my brother and my dad is next to me. I said, mum, can you pass me the salt? So I have lasagna and like chips and a salad on my plate. So I go to put salt on it. It's over my food. I go to like crack it or whatever you want to call it. The whole salt shaker is now emptied on top of my lasagna. I like salt, but I don't like salt that much. And so salt is only useful, one, when it is out of the shaker, and two, when it is spread out. If we just huddle here and just mingle, and I know it's out of a lot of people's comfort zones, if you just mingle with the people that you always mingle with, how is that sharing the good news of Jesus? So it's only useful when we go, when we're spread out. So the great commission of making disciples who will then make disciples, who will then make disciples, and so on and so forth. So we look beyond our generation and we look to the generations to come. So I know we focus on the disciple aspect of this verse, but I also want to focus on the end of the verse that I think a lot of people tend to forget about where it says, surely I am with you and will go with you. And I love this part where it says, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What I think is so important and special about this whole mission of making disciples and sharing God. I know sometimes you probably feel 
alone. My favourite statement is, I live by it, I tell people it all the time. If He can bring me, like He being God, if He can bring me to it, He can bring me through it. Live by it. If I'm faced with something and I feel alone, I feel like I'm doing it alone, I'm not. I know that whatever God has brought me to, He's brought me to it for a reason. He's not going to just make me do it by myself. So if we can remember that we never walk alone, no matter what we face or where we are, whatever our situation is, that God is with us. So I believe it's pretty obvious how a church or a school or a big movement, like for me it's Girls Brigade, can make disciples. But how do we personally make disciples? Now it's okay if you don't necessarily agree with me on this. Totally fine. But I don't believe we have to talk about Jesus all the time. I mean, yes, talk about him. But that is not, at least for me, it's not my main focus is to talk about him. But particularly because some people that I've encountered in my life who have shaped my spiritual walk significantly are teachers, chaplains, and because they spoke to me about Jesus and sat me down, told me all this stuff, but because they showed me how Jesus lives in their life, which made me then want to follow Jesus because of how awesome their life looked. And then they told me about Jesus. I think that's the way that we can kind of, I don't know, draw people in because actions speak louder than words. So particularly I work in a state school as well as working here at North Pine. Well, I work in a state school at the moment at least. And the thing about working in a state school, you can't openly talk about Jesus in a state school. So to do my job there, it is just by actions, how I love and support those kids and those staff. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. How we live says more about who we are as Christians than what we say. And so actively being Jesus' hands and feet is step one in making disciples. Going out, not being still, actively connecting with people, but don't have a faith, people that are on the edge or are just questioning things, connecting with all people. To share the good news of the gospel, we first need to also understand what the good news is and what it means to share it. When it comes to sharing the message of Christ, we often fear rejection. I know I hate being rejected for things or being put down when you tell someone something. And the gospel is not like this fairy tale that we see in movies or on TV. The reality is that Jesus was crucified for this message. He died for this like particular message. So when we fear, fear about sharing this same message, I feel it's justified. But throughout God's Word, Jesus warns us that we would experience rejection and in persecution. And it says in John 16, 33, Take heart, I have overcome the world. When sharing His message of redemption, we can trust in Him. So is the good news really good? It's good. I think it's good. But does it sometimes also bring rejection and persecution? Yeah. How is it that the good news, though, is our eternal life with the Father? That is, our life on earth is temporary, which I know for some can be scary, but nothing on this earth will ever, will ever truly satisfy us. So in the book of Philippians, Paul is talking to the church and is talking about how to live life according to the good news. And so that our lives should reflect the character of Jesus and the gospel message. For example, you wouldn't go out of your way to say that somebody's pain is less than your pain 
and those kind of things. That is not reflective of our gospel message. In sharing this message, it is how we live and how we talk that matters. Why does it matter? I feel because how you live your life either credits or discredits how you are sharing Jesus. If you're going out and you say one thing and you do another, that's not particularly somebody I want to follow. Jesus said stuff, but also lived it. Didn't just say things for the sake of saying things. So live worthy of the gospel so that when people look at you, they see the Father and begin to ask questions. Then you will have the opportunity to share the gospel message of hope with them. So why is it important to share this message? There is urgency to it. Throughout the Bible, there is just a sense of urgency. And I don't know about you, but where it says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night comes when no man works. So this challenge to us, this feeling of urgency. So skipped a few slides. Sorry about it. But I have a little, I like memes, if you don't like memes, sorry. Very much to do before I leave. The last three years of my life have felt urgent. Everything I do is urgent. I have to do it now. And then I have, once I do this thing, then I have this thing, then I have that thing. And then another thing. It's just, there's always something to do. I don't know if you can relate to that, but welcome to a little look into my life. Since I left school... I have become a to-do list person. I used to think people that had to-do lists were like really anal about things. No, I love a to-do list. Absolutely everything goes on my to-do list because I live a busy life and I'm such a yes person that I am working on. But because I'm such a yes person, I say yes to too many things and then I forget. Someone tells me something, I go, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that. If it's not on my to-do list, I won't remember it. So even things like don't forget to get fuel on the way home from school. Don't forget to reply to that text message. Otherwise, I'll forget to do it. And I'm really sorry if I've never replied to a message you sent me. But this whole sense of urgency, that sense of urgency of I need to do all these things before I leave the house or before I go on this trip. But this sense sense of urgency that we have We need to take care of the things that we're responsible for and to do these things so that they're not left unattended or undone. And Jesus wants us to take that same view of urgency about our spiritual lives. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus urged his disciples to think about the life from a macro level. They, like us, had a really hard time picturing the big picture of things. I'm such a small picture thing person. I can't always see the big picture. And Jesus had this huge picture of what it would look like. And the disciples were just so focused on these little things. And Jesus said, no, 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 there's more to it than just that. And he says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Life isn't life, isn't life more and the body more than clothing. So consider the most macro truth that Jesus gave us. Every single person on earth desperately needs to know and trust in Him. The truth impacts everything else about us, everything that we do. So I want you to just think about five people in your life that don't know Jesus. And it can be anyone, just five people in your life. And I'm not making this to scare you or to freak you out, but five people who would you, like, 
Who would you share the gospel message with? Who would share that message with those five people if you were to die today? Or if they were to die tomorrow, who would be the one sharing that Jesus loves them and Jesus came to save them from their sins? Who would be that person? So I just want you to think for a second. Think about it. Think about those five people, picture them. How would you share that message with them if that was to happen? This sense of urgency, the importance of sharing the gospel message just shows that it's important. It's a big message. It's a good message and a life-changing one. A seed can be planted through you. So there are several approaches you can take when you share the gospel with others. And there's no one way to do it, but all of them need to start with prayer. Evangelism is all about prayer. It's at the, prayer is at the heart of evangelism. So one of the simplest things you can do is to share a testimony. So like the story of your life. What was your life like before Christ? Who brought you to Christ? What made you come to Christ? Who in your life has impacted you? What has your life been like after you found Christ? What is the joy that you now have? Because being Christian is about joy. But also sharing that being a Christian can be hard. You might be that we have eternal life. Ultimately, we desire to share the gospel message effectively and clearly and equip other people to then share and do the same. So as I was preparing this sermon and thinking about how I want to share this whole great commission with you, the goal was to bring together the process of sharing the gospel message. So you see, sharing the gospel message is not always a one-time thing. Sometimes it's a few conversations or for others, once is enough. But I have this process. Whoa, I'm not good with clickers. Can we go back one? There we go. I have this, I like I say I like plants. I'm not good at taking care of plants. I have fake plants because I can look after them. But I want you to think of a plant. So P is for pray. L is for listen. A is for articulate. It's not there. Do not tell my English teachers in school that. Um, And T is for try again. So this process, we are planted by God in this great commission of disciple making. Just as we are planted, we then are called to plant others. What I think is so beautiful about this whole plant analogy is that plants and flowers, they're all different. They all grow at different paces. They require different care at different times, which is just like we are as Christians. So whether it's sharing the gospel with someone who has never heard it or helping someone to grow in their journey with God, pray with them and pray for them. Listen to them and listen to what God is asking you to do or say. Articulate, so share what you know, what you believe, share the love and the joy of being a follower of God. Invite others to church, to Bible study or to simply have a meal at your house. And most importantly, do this process for the people that are new in your life, for the people that you care about or the people that just don't know Jesus. The mission of the church and the resurrection of Jesus and the kingdom of God are all united in one. They are not segregated, they flow from one another. So post-resurrection, 
the biblical story opens up fully and it says it in that verse to all nations. So the scope of God's mission for us is now open to absolutely every person that walks this earth. The resurrection of Christ becomes a catalyst for this mission of the church to reflect the kingdom of God and to spread the gospel. So actively answering the call of the Great Commission and God's mission in your life to be Jesus' hands and feet will look different in all of your lives, but it is step one in making disciples, going out, not being still, actively connecting with people. And so remember the call God has placed on your lives and in your hearts to minister to people, but to also remember that you are not alone in this great commission from God. And so to conclude, I want you all to remember that, yeah, sometimes being a Christian can be hard or whatever it is, but this great commission, this call that came after Jesus came back from the dead, that that's for all of us. It's not just, oh, the person next to me will do it, so I don't need to do it. That's your call, that's my call, is to go and make disciples of all nations, but just know that you're not doing it alone. So the band is going to come up, but i just like to pray for you. So if you can close your eyes, bow your heads. Dear Lord, thank you so much for each and every person seated here today. Thank you that um, hopefully you've spoken through me today, whether that's to just one person or to a few people. I just pray that you remind them, no matter what they're faced with, they're not doing it alone, but they are called to be disciple makers to go week, whether that's one person or five people in our lives. I just pray that you remind us that that is our big call that you have given to us. So we pray this in your name. Amen.